We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. What are your deepest, darkest fears in this life? I had somebody asked me just the other day, what are you most afraid of in this life? Somebody asked you that question, what would you say? I suspect that probably the bulk of us would say that that which causes fear the most is the thought of death. And I understand that because we've never died. We've never stepped out onto the plains of eternity. There are things that we know about the eternal realm, but we've just never visited there. And so because of that, you know, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 2 talked about those who throughout their lifetime were subjected to fear because of death. Now, for some, it might be the thought of losing a child, a parent, a sibling, possibly a close friend. It might be the case that you're here today and what you fear the most is the loss of a job, the ability to support your family, to take care of the people that you love. Some would no doubt be fearful because of the circumstances that we face as a country, economically, morally, and so on. So what about faith and fear? I asked this in a Bible class just the other day. Are faith and fear compatible? Before you answer that, let's just look at what the Bible has to say. Let's talk about Faith in the life of a Christian and overcoming fear as a child of God. So what I want to do first and foremost is talk about the problem because as you well know, it is a pro it's always been a problem, hasn't it? We could go back and look at the Old Testament and there are examples of God's people demonstrating fear. Job, that great patriarch of days gone by, you remember in Job chapters 1 and 2, the Bible talks about his upright character. He was a morally upright good man, sought to fear God, to turn away from evil. In a very short period of time, Job lost what we would say to be that which he loved the most. He lost his children. Add to that the loss of some of his financial resources. And then add to that the loss of his own health. And then add to that the loss of the support of his helpmeet, his own wife. So in Job chapter 3 at verse 25, Job makes this statement. That which I feared the most has happened to me. Now I mentioned just a moment ago that someone asked me the other day, what do we fear the most? What do I fear the most? And this very verse was brought up, and the question was, what was it that Job feared the most? Was it the possibility in his mind, though maybe remote? Was it possible that he feared the loss of his children? Do you think that he feared the loss of his economic wealth? What about his health? 
You think he ever thought the day would come when he thought in his heart of hearts that his wife would not stand beside him and behind him through thick and thin? Well, Job said it well. That which I feared the most has happened to me. Sometimes our greatest fears are realized, aren't they? Despite the fact that we plan, we purpose to avoid those kinds of situations. There are some things that are beyond the realm of our ability to control. Sometimes things just happen because that's how life is. So that'd be one example. But then over in Numbers chapters 13 and 14, you remember God said to Moses to send out 12 spies so that they might investigate the land that, as he had said in, in the past, flows with milk and honey. And he told them, I want you to go to survey the land. Find out something about the people, whether they're strong or weak, whether they're many or few. And then give me an analysis of what you see in the city. Is the city, is the land good or bad? Are there forests there? Are the people living in camps or are they living in strongholds? I want you to assess the land and then bring some of the fruit of that land back. Spies went out 40 days. When they returned, you remember the Bible tells us that they brought with them some of the fruit that they had picked along the way. And they talked about what they saw, that it was truly a land flowing with milk and honey. But then 10 of those spies said, now listen, there are giants in that land. And there's just no way that we can go in and take possession of that land. Now, who promised them that land? God did. Do you not think that if God promised them the land and if He had said, I'm going to give you this land, that He would have held true to His promise? You turn over to chapter 14. And you remember Caleb and Joshua. Joshua being the leader among the children of Israel after the death of Moses. And they sought to quiet the people. Because what was it Paul said? A little leaven leavens a whole lump. This thing was metastasizing. And the people were becoming more and more fearful. Matter of fact, two times in chapter 14, Joshua and Caleb instructed them to not fear. As incredulous as it may seem, they wanted to pick a leader and go back to Egypt. What was their faith? Where was their faith in Almighty God? Only two men have the kind of faith that said, look, we are well able to go in and take this land. Well, you know the story. God disinherited His people. And those who were 20 years of age and upward, they were destined to dwell in the wilderness for some 40 years. That was a sad situation. In the New Testament... Do you remember, for example, in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent His disciples out to preach the gospel of the kingdom, three times Jesus said to His disciples, do not fear. Would they face hostility? Would it be the case that they would face difficult circumstances without question? The Lord knew that. And so Jesus said and made it a point to emphasize three different times, look, I do not want you to fear. Now, if you want to fear somebody, fear him who has the ability, the power, 
to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna, the hell of fire. But don't fear those who can destroy the body. In Mark chapter 4, we have Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And you remember the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus was in the stern asleep. And the wind and the waves began to lash about. The disciples were afraid, and understandably so. So they go to Jesus and they ask Him a very pointed question. Do you not care that we perish? The Lord Jesus, sleeping like a baby, says something about His humanity, doesn't it? So the Lord wants to know, why is it you're so fearful? I mean, what are you afraid of? But the text tells us that He also asked them, where is your faith? Or, oh, you of little faith. The Lord Jesus said, peace, be still. And then they were left in wonder or awe. I mean, who has the ability to calm the winds and the sea. Well, that said something about His deity, didn't it? it? The fact that He was all-powerful. So, are there problems with regard to fear in life? The answer unequivocally, yes. It might well be the case that right now you are struggling with internal fears. It might be that you're afraid that you might lose your job might be the case that you're afraid of some type of economic reversal. Maybe you're afraid because you have some very real, very genuine health concerns. We all wrestle with fear. So the question of the hour, is there a prescription for the fears that we face in this life? Now, I think it's interesting, if you go back and look at Matthew chapter 10, Jesus had the ability to know the thinking of human beings because He was the Creator. And Jesus obviously understood that there is always the potential in the face of hostility and difficult circumstances. There is always that potential of being afraid. And so if there is that potential, Jesus would say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So what then is the prescription for us today? Number one, I want to begin by saying we have to learn. And I want to emphasize that one word, learn. Life is a learning process, isn't it? Now you remember the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God in Romans 10, 17. And then there is this exhortation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 7 where Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight. The problem, the tendency is to walk by sight and not by faith. Yet Paul would say in the preceding chapter, 2 Corinthians, that we're not to look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. At least that's how he perceived life. He didn't look at the temporal transitory things of life, but rather he looked at life through the lens of eternity. And so it's in that vein that he would say we walk by faith and not by sight. So number one, we have to learn to trust in the Lord. Now just think for a moment or two about that. Did God's people, in days gone by, did they have to learn to trust Him? Those individuals that had the opportunity to go into the promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey, did they not need faith in Almighty God to make that happen? Yes, they did. David. 
probably the greatest king in the history of the Israelite nation. David, a man after God's own heart. Did David face fears in this life? The passage read a moment ago. David said, whenever I am afraid. Now note what he said. Whenever I'm afraid. I think suggesting that there were various times in life that he had been afraid. There would be times when he would be afraid. And so he said, whenever I'm afraid, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust in you. In God, he said, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. Now let that sink in for a moment. Two times in Psalm 56, David expresses his confidence in Almighty God. He says, I will not fear. In about verse 11, he said, I will not be afraid. And then he raises this question. What can flesh do to me? Then in verse 11, he asks the question, what can man do to me? <clears throat> you think David was afraid at times? Yes. And yet David learned to put his trust in God. There are times in life when our friends and family members do not have the ability to quell our fear. Why? Because they have no control over the circumstance. When you are looking at death in the eyes, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are going to pass from this life very soon, you need faith, don't you? As David said, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Now, David's own son, Solomon, a man renowned for wisdom. You remember what he said? In Proverbs chapter 3, he said, Trust in the Lord. Listen to what he said. With all your heart, not some of your heart, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. And what will He do? He'll direct your paths. Do I need to learn to trust in God more fully? Now we talk about fear. What is it that will conquer the fears that we have in this life? One word, faith. Faith over fear. If we live in faith, we're paralyzed. We can't go forward, can we? It might be the case that sometimes, for example, in Matthew 10, the Lord Jesus had in mind a very specific task to be accomplished by His disciples. He understood that fear could have paralyzed them, stood in their way, prohibited them from doing what He wanted done. And so He said, look, I do not want you to be afraid. You think Jesus wants us to be afraid when it comes to the work? We don't have the manpower, don't have the money, don't have the resources. Look, we've got to have faith in Almighty God. When times grow tough in this life, and maybe we don't have all the answers, Maybe it is that we are staring death in the face. What about faith? Listen to David. Remember what David said a minute ago, Psalm 56, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. David said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. So, number one, to learn to trust in the Lord. There's a second thought I want to share with you. And that is, we must learn to trust in the Word of the Lord. Now, this goes back to laying claim to the promises of Almighty God. 
to understand that God does not want us to live in fear. Doesn't want us to succumb to a life of fearfulness. It's amazing to me that one of God's greatest ambassadors for truth had to deal with fear in his own life. Remember the Apostle Paul? When he was in the city of Corinth, God said to Paul in the long ago, Do not be afraid. Do not keep silent. He said, I want you to speak. In what? In my name. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, at verse 3, he reminded them that he had been among them in fear, weakness, and much trembling. Now, it's hard for me to believe a guy like Paul would have been, would have been fearful of anything. Hard to imagine somebody like David. I mean, you think about David. David was willing to stand toe-to-toe with Goliath, exercising tremendous faith in Almighty God. David had the ability to stand down a bear. And yet he said, you know what, when I'm afraid, I trust you. So what about learning to trust in the Word of the Lord? Number one, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in the promises of God? Do you believe that what God has said in His Word, you think He'll uphold it? If He makes a promise, will He keep that promise? Sure He will. So what does that mean to us? Number one, to remember the promise of His presence. Go back and look again at Acts chapter 18. What was it God said to Paul? He said, I will be with you. Here's what the Hebrew writer said in the long ago. And the Hebrew writer, we can go back and look at Psalm 56 again. You can look at the life of Joshua. The Hebrew writer said, on behalf of God, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What can flesh do to me? You know what he's saying there? I'm not going to fear. And you know why? Because I have the assurance that you are right by my side. Every step of the way, God is with us, isn't he? We sing the song, Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Sometimes what we sing and what we read and what we talk about, we fail to practice, don't we? Why is that? Because we're human. We're all human beings. But to remember that God is at our side. Again, go back and look at Psalm 23. What's the worst thing that possibly, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen to us? Well, to some it'd be to die. And yet David said, even if I go down into that valley of the shadow of death, here's what I know. The Lord will be with me. He'll stand right beside me every single step of the way. So to remember something about the presence of Almighty God. But then there's a second thing. It has to do with the peace of God. In John chapters 13 through 17, the Lord Jesus is observing the Passover with the disciples prior to His crucifixion on Calvary. He has a very intimate conversation with the apostles, His future ambassadors. So down in John chapter 14, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he says this, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be. What did he say back in chapter 14? Jesus had already said, Look, I'm going to be leaving you. 
Peter had affirmed that he would be willing to die on behalf of the Lord if that need arose. And yet Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. So what about us? Over in John 16, verse 33, Jesus would say, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have what? Peace. In the world, He said, you have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I want to ask you, does God intend for us to live in fear? Is it not the case that God wants us to remember something about His presence? That I'm with you wherever you go in this life, and that would include death. Would it also not be the case that God wants us to remember that we are to be people who live in peace? Look, you can't live in peace if you're worried. You can't have the peace that passes all understanding if you're living in fear. It just doesn't work that way, does it? So what we have to do is to develop deeper faith, greater faith in Almighty God. This afternoon, one of the things that we want to talk about is building our faith. It's really the lesson this afternoon will build upon what we've talked about this morning. Building our faith, enriching our faith, growing in our faith. So what about that peace? Remember what Paul would say? You remember again what Jesus said? My peace, my peace I give to you. So to trust, to trust in the Lord, to trust in the Word of the Lord. And then there's a third thought here, and that is turn it over to the Lord. You need to trust God, you need to trust the Word of God, and you need to learn, I need to learn, we all need to learn to simply turn it over to God. A lot easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, don't you find yourself sometimes reading passages of Scripture and you know God wants you to give Him your trials, your troubles, your difficulties, but what is the tendency? Hold on to them. Why? Because somehow, some way, we've got to try to be in control. There are some things beyond the scope of our ability to control in life. So what about turning, turning our fears over to God? Well, number one, one of the greatest resources we have as we deal with fear or being afraid is prayer, isn't it? Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. Paul prefaced this statement by saying, and Paul was in a Roman prison cell, the Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord is right beside me. In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What are you saying, Paul? He's saying, look, I don't want you to live in a state of anxiety. I don't want you to live in a state of worry. We don't need to be afraid in this life. But rather, what we ought to do is turn it over to God. Learn to put it in His court. So what about doing that? Remember what he said, the, latter, the next verse? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will do what? It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you learned to turn it over to God? Listen to Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Peter would write, casting all your care. Let me give you the significant word there, all. A-L-L. Casting all your care on Him. And why? Because Peter said he cares. Look, if God didn't care, do you think He'd want our troubles and trials and problems? You know, something about going to somebody who has a vested interest in us, who understands us, who knows us inside and out, 
who has the ability to help, who genuinely cares. Here's what David said, Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord. And you know what he'll do? He will sustain you. But we've got to learn to trust God, to trust the Word of God, to turn it over to God. Over in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, poet encouraged drawing boldly under the throne of grace. Why? That we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you're struggling with fears and you are absolutely afraid of what's down the road, you think God wants to hear from you? Do you really think that you would be bothering God in coming before His throne and saying, God, I'm dealing with something really tough in my life. There's some things going on in my life that I don't understand. Look, things haven't worked as I thought they would. My life is unraveled. It is unraveling. What I thought would be the case is not the case. You think God wants to hear from us? Do you think God has the ability to help us in that situation? Look, either He can or He can't. When Jesus said to the winds and the sea, peace be still, does He not have the ability to give us that same kind of feet? that same kind of peace? Sure He does. So what about our expectation? If we give it to God, and look, God has the ability to shoulder every single fear, every single problem, however complex, whatever mountain you're out trying to climb, and maybe you feel like you're climbing that mountain alone, I can tell you what, God's with you every step of the way. And God is walking with you hand in hand, You've got His presence, you've got His peace, and you've got the amazing ability to simply put it in His court. Now what God wants us to do is turn it over to Him, everything. Give it to Him. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter prefaced casting all your care on Him by saying, humble yourselves in the sight of God. Why would Peter say you need to be humble? You ever known somebody that said, you know what, I'd ask for help, but I'm just too proud. Well, they could help. I know that, but I'm just not going to ask for help. God wants us to have the humility of heart to bow in His presence, to understand that He has the power, that He has the resources to deal with whatever we're facing in this life. Here's what, I know here's what James said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now look, that's what an inspired writer said. Do you think he believed that? And didn't Peter say, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous? Was it not Peter that said, his ears are open to what? To their prayers. 24-7, God is doing this, listening. And I don't care if you go before his throne and you stand before the throne of God for hours upon end. He got time just for you. He doesn't have to clear the calendar. You don't have to make an appointment. You're not going to get a voice on the other end of the line saying, well, he's out of, out of pocket, call back. No, not, not at all. The Lord is there for us. Why? Because he has a vested interest in us. God wants us to one day be at home with him. It might be the case that fear is winning the battle rather than faith. And Paul said, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's in that context that he would say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What's our goal? Let's go to heaven, isn't it? Wouldn't it be better in heaven? 
Would it be possible that we might miss that land called Canaan, that spiritual land that flows with milk and honey if we walk by fear and not by faith? Would that be a possibility? We've got to grow stronger in our deeper in our faith and trust in God. So I want to close today by asking this question. Have you begun the Christian life? I'm just going to tell you, and I'm going to be as blunt as I can be. Life, as you know, is tough. And let me tell you what, if you're trying to make it alone in this life, man, I tell you, I pity you. It's a tough road. But you don't have to live it alone. You don't have to try to make a go of this life by yourself. What you have to do if you want to have a measure of peace, satisfaction in your life, you've got to put your faith in God. And that faith is what works as motivation to obey His Word. Jesus in the long ago talked about believing in Him. Except you believe that I am, He said, you'll die in your sins. Except you repent, He said, you'll perish. To be immersed in water so that all of our sins can be washed away. Whatever fears and terrors we face in this life, we can begin wrestling with them because as a child of God, we put it in His court. It's on Him, and He'll get us through it. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love